Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Truth had been taught. The kingdom of heaven had been preached. All manner of sickness and disease had been healed. In fact, that day, every person was healed of every condition. Every life was freed of everything. I like those kind of days. I don't know about you, but I like those kind of days. This was one of those days as Jesus the Christ, he moved throughout Galilee. Scripture tells us that they brought unto him all, someone say all, all sick that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, those which were possessed with devils and those that had the palsy, and he healed them all. I like those days. That day, Christ once again taught his followers, there is no sickness I cannot stop. There is no disease for which I do not possess the cure. There is no devil. There is no demon I cannot cast out. There is no storm I cannot calm within or without. I can touch your mind. I can speak peace to your emotions. I can heal your body. I can save your soul. I've got you, body, soul, and spirit. So bring me your sick. Bring me your struggling, your sorrowful. Bring me your situation, your circumstance. Bring me your sin because I am the rest that you've been longing for. I'm the peace you so desperately desire. I'm the love that you just can't seem to find anywhere else. I am the answer. I am that I am. Hmm. Someone say amen. And after these things, your Bible, same as mine, says that Jesus became famous in the land. Oh, I believe that we can have one of those days right here. I believe that we can have one of those all, everything, every one days, and that starting right here, Jesus can become famous in the land. Someone shout amen. Amen. Now with multitudes of people from Galilee and Decapolis, Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond Jordan, following after Jesus, the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel begins, and it says this. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You're blessed. Someone say, I'm blessed. And of course, we know this portion of Christ's sermon on the mount as the Beatitudes. Anyone ever heard that before? 
No doubt many, if not most of us gathered here this evening are familiar with this particular batch of blessings, but there is a beatitude, one that we very seldom hear of. We don't talk about it much, we don't hear about it much, unless maybe you've been here on a Wednesday night lately. You you won't find it in Matthew's gospel. In fact, you won't find it in the gospels. You won't find this beatitude in the writings of the Old Testament. You won't find it in the Acts of the Apostles. You won't find it in the epistles. In one book alone can this blessing be found, and that is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's Revelation's first chapter that we read this verse right here. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. And recognizing, of course, that all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for you and for me, we must also acknowledge the fact that of this book, the book of Revelation, of these truths and words and prophecies, of these scriptures, God said there is a unique blessing attached. And just as the poor in spirit will receive the kingdom, and those that mourn will be comforted, and just as the meek will inherit the earth and the righteousness be, the righteous be filled and the merciful obtain mercy, the pure in heart will see God, the peacemakers be called the children of God, the persecuted inherit the kingdom of heaven. As certain as these words are, so also is this truth that those precious men and women who hear and keep the truths housed within the book of Revelation, they will be blessed. Here it is. For they will know the time is at hand. Someone say amen. Hmm. So what is this revelation? What is this holy truth that houses supernatural blessing? Let's consider for a moment the opening verse of the revelation itself. Revelations chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The book of Revelation, it starts by saying, The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation, describes itself first and foremost as the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ is the central theme of the book of Revelation. And from its first chapter, this book wants you to get the revelation of who Jesus really is. In verse 5 of chapter 1, Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, the one who loved us, the one who washed us from our sins in his own blood. In verse 6, he has redeemed us, making us both kings and priests. In verse 8, he thunders, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which is, which was, and which is to come. I am the Almighty. 
starting in verse 13, he is the son of man, clothed with a garment and with gold. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun that shineth in his strength. And when John saw Jesus revealed, he said, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. And he laid his right hand upon me saying, fear not. I am the first. I am the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have with me the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He is God manifest in flesh. Yahweh of old, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Isaiah prophesied it. Matthew confirmed it along with many others. Jesus Christ is Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, come to save his people. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and his name is Jesus. Someone shouted out, Jesus, concerning the name of Jesus. Scripture tells us that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in His name among all nations. Nor is there any salvation of under any, uh, from any other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 2 concerning the name of Jesus says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Philippians chapter 2 it says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is our covenant name for God. And this is but one of the many reasons why it is imperative that we invoke, that we use, that we call on the name of Jesus when we pray and when we baptize and when we do anything because there's power in only one name, that His is a name which is above every other name. Our God the Bible says in Psalm 16 is holy. Deuteronomy, he's one. Jeremiah, he's all powerful. First John, he's all knowing. Psalm 139, he's ever present. He is hope. He is peace. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is wisdom. He is love. He is good. Paul said Christ is all and he is in all. He is everything I need. He is everything you need. He's everything you your kids need. He's everything your family needs. He's our indescribable, ineffable, inexplicable God. And his name is Jesus. Someone put your hands together and lift up a shout of praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus. And without a doubt, the book of Revelation first communicates who he is. But by no means does it stop there. 
For every other word, every other utterance, every other portion of prophetic text found within the pages of Revelation, it hinges on, it moves toward, it testifies of a truth. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye will see him. Also those that pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus revealed. The last time Jesus came to this earth, he was veiled in flesh. His deity was hidden behind his humanity. Jesus, God in flesh was born in a stable. He was raised in poverty. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was nailed to a cross in a, in a buried in a borrowed tomb. By times, Jesus, he, he looked frail. He looked tired. He looked Human, not much like the God of the universe. But when he comes again, he comes with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those that pierced him. And all of the people of the earth will wail because of him. Some in terror, still others in joy. Even so, the Bible says, amen. When Christ comes again, even the godless will repent. And the heathen will bow his knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, for he will return in all of his splendor, in all of his majesty, in all of his glory, in all of his might. The truth will be uncovered. The veil will be lifted. Jesus Christ will be revealed. The Lord of lords and King of kings, he's coming back. He will return and he will return soon. The Bible is a book of prophecy. If I didn't say it already, Merry Christmas. The Bible is a book of prophecy. In fact, during this Christmas season, you've very likely heard or read or recited many of the verses that prophesied Christ's first coming. Verses like Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verses like Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Verses like Micah 5, 2. Which says, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, thou, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. We know that the Bible is a book of prophecy. According to J. Barton Payne, there are a total of 1,817 prophecies in the Bible. These prophecies are contained in 8,352 verses, meaning that 27% of your Bible is prophecy. And though there are literal scores of verses that speak of and prophesy concerning Christ's first coming, there are still more that prophesy saying He's coming again. 
One of, out of every 30 verses in the Bible mentions the return of Jesus or the end time events. The second coming of Jesus Christ is predicted in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the four Gospels, the epistles of Paul, James, Peter, John, and of course, the book of Revelation. Either this book, this Bible, is the infallible, inspired word of God, or it is not. If the second coming of Christ is not true, then nothing is true. However, if you have ever felt the moving of his presence, sensed the drawing of his spirit, heard his still small voice, if he has ever moved in your life or in your family, if he has ever forgiven your sins, healed your body, or filled you with the Holy Ghost, if Christ came once, then this must be true. Behold, I come as a thief in the night. If he came once, he's coming again. And I'm here to tell somebody he's coming again soon. Thank you, Jesus. This evening, I can guarantee this. Satan does not want you to be aware of the time. Our adversary uses the monotony of life. The constant ticking of time. He uses routine against us to slowly but surely dull us with days and numb us with normal. He wants you. He wants me. He wants us to continue spiritually sleepwalking through this life. Always thinking. Ever believing. Even if it's just on a subconscious level that in theory Christ will return. But it could never happen in my lifetime. It could never happen now. My religion says he will return, but my reality says he may not. Don't let Satan lull you to sleep with these subtle lies. Blessed is he that reads and those that hear the prophecy of this book and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. The word keep in that verse, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, that word keep, blessed are those that keep, it literally means to guard by keeping your eye upon, by keeping your focus on. There is a unique blessing upon the man and woman of God who hear the truths of Revelation and keep them in the forefront of their mind. There is a blessing for the person that hears, that knows, and lives like Jesus could come back at any moment. And the blessing is they know the time is at hand. So he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I come as a thief in the night. Blessed is he that watcheth. Revelation twenty two twelve. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. Appropriately. The final lines of Holy Scripture, the last two verses of your Bible, tell us, Surely I come quickly, even so. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. 
Jesus, just as surely as he came once, is coming again. One day, any day, as the lightning comes out of the east and shines unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. And then all the tribes of the earth shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. And he shall send his angel with a great sound and a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, for the time is at hand. Jesus, he told a parable. He said, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps their lamps, and, and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise, but five were foolish. And those who were foolish, they, they took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and they slept. Verse 6, listen to this. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and they trimmed the lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go to those who sell and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy the bridegroom, And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. So they came back, and they said, those foolish virgins, they said, Lord, open to us. And he answered, saying, Assuredly, I say unto you, I do not know you. And Jesus gives us the meaning of this parable in verse 13 when he says, Watch, therefore. Keep your eye focused. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Then shall two be in the field, one taken and the other left. Then two will be grinding at the mill, the one taken, the other left. Two shall be in one bed, the one taken and the other left. That's what Jesus said. And tonight... I'm very much aware of the fact that these truths, these revelations, they may elicit feelings of hope and joy in some and fear and anxiety in others, depending on your present posture towards Christ. But remember, of our day, of of these last days, the Bible said, and it will come to pass, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. We are part of the end time revival. And tonight, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Second Peter 3 tells us, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the very next verse, we quote that verse all the time, but the very next verse it says, 
And the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Jesus Christ is coming again and he is coming again soon and knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Blessed are they that know and blessed are they that watch for the time is at hand. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Let me tell you what this boils down to for me. The Bible leaves no room. It leaves no wiggle room. It tells me very, very clear how I'm to live my life. The attitude I'm to have. I'm to live my life like he could come back at any moment. Those first church, first century believers, they would greet one another saying, Maranatha, Maranatha. It was saying, hey, he's coming back. He's coming back. Anytime, anytime, he's coming back. He's coming back. That's how I'm supposed to live my life, like he could come at any moment. So what does it boil down to for me? This right here. If ever you were going to teach a Bible study, do it now. If ever you were going to reach a lost soul for Jesus Christ, do it now. If ever you were going to rush to an altar and repent of your sins, do it now. If ever you were going to truly live for God, I'm not just talking about coming to church on Sunday or Wednesday. I'm talking about living for God. If ever you were going to live for God, do it now. If ever you were going to seek his face, do it now. If ever you were going to call on his name, do it now. Do it now. For we are not promised tomorrow. The time, it is now. The time is at hand. How am I supposed to live my life? Right now. Right now. And with that in mind, this is what I wish every one of us would do in unison together. I wish right now you would come out from where you're seated and gather with us around this altar. Everyone as quickly as you can. And when you get down here, why don't you just do it? Just be all in. Throw your hands up. Lift your voice higher than your hands. And let's do it. Let's go there. Let's not hold anything back. The bridegroom is coming. There's a midnight cry that's coming our way. Behold, I come with the clouds and the time is at hand. If ever you were going to do it, do it now. Do it tonight. Let this be your moment. Let this be your service. Let this be your time. Right here, right now. The time is at hand. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donald, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.